The abundant life is not I used to tell lies and now I tell the truth. It's, man, I'm part of something bigger. And when I lie to another person, I betray myself. That's a whole different way to think about the world, isn't it? That's a whole completely different way than saying I used to lie. Now I'm a truth teller. No, I'm part of something bigger. I am an integrated part of something greater, the body of Christ. And when I lie to somebody else, I actually lie to myself because we are one in Christ. If you've ever perused the self-help section at a bookstore, there's undoubtedly been a book that piqued your interest, one that appealed to an area in your life where you struggle. Changing a destructive behavior is great, but it's not everything. In this teaching, Pastor Daniel will show us just how much farther we can go beyond altering behavior and into the realm of deep spiritual change. Now, here's Daniel in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 24, with our continuing study entitled, Style the Mess. One time you say, I'm saying yes to Jesus, I want to be born again, and that begins a walk, that begins the process of letting your mind being renewed every day. But it begins with saying, I want this. Now, some people say, oh, you know, you shouldn't preach for decisions, and I don't believe that at all. We need to preach for decisions. We need to live for decisions, because no one becomes a disciple without making a decision to be a disciple. The last thing you want anyone to think is, oh, I got saved in church on Sunday. Now I'm just going to go crazy, because I'm saved. If you ever ever see the movie, Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? Yeah. I love when that guy gets saved. He goes in the waters of baptism. He thinks that the law is not looking for him anymore. He's like, I've been forgiven by the Lord. You know? It's like, well, no, no. Yeah, God's forgiven you, but you still owe a debt to society, buddy. So we need to make sure. We need to make sure that not only are we being renewed every day, but we've made that decision. And now listen, some of you, you've made that decision, and like everybody else, life's messy. And you're, you're struggling through life. Just because you're struggling doesn't mean you didn't make the decision or the decision didn't take or you got to get born again, 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 and again, and again. doesn't mean that. God never promised that when you get saved, everything was going to be peachy keen, hunky-dory, and the hokey-pokey is that's what it's all about. He never says that. He never says it's just everything's going to be a slip and slide. It's easy. Woo! It never says that. Actually, it says the exact opposite. In this world, you will have tribulation, but what? But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. He's telling his disciples, listen, it's hard being alive, but I've overcome this world. And because I have overcome, you are more than conquerors. So if you're here today and you love Jesus, you put your faith and trust in him, but life is just hard. You're white knuckling parts of it. Be encouraged. Jesus is still, he saved you. But we only grow the most on the hard days, right? Isn't that what life's taught us? We love the free gifts. We love the ease. We'll take it when God gives it. But no one grows the most on the sunny days as much as we like them. It's through the valley. It's through. We only have to walk by faith when? When we got to walk by faith. When sight doesn't help us. 
And we don't like those times. I mean, nobody wants to say, oh, Lord, make my life a mess so I can see how faithful you are. Don't pray that way, please. I mean, we love you, and, and, and we'll come and love on you in the midst of that, but don't ask for, like, Lord, make me walk by faith, because then you're walking by faith, and that's hard. But when you walk in a time that you need to trust the living God, and you see what he has done, then you're like, man, God is really faithful. He brought me through this, and I've grown in the process. But most of us, right, we know that we need to walk by faith, but we really just don't want to do it. But that's where we realize who God is. Think about the children, the disciples, when they're with Jesus in the boat. Remember, the storm kicks up. It happens a couple times. Every time, every time they end up in the boat and it's getting rocked around, they always learn who they are, which is they don't trust God very much, and who God is, that he is infinitely faithful. That's always the lesson of the storms of life, that God is faithful and we are not, but he loves us still. And so listen, I say all these things just to simply remind us that just because we're saved doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. Sometimes it's even harder, but we're saved. God has taken off the old life full of deceitful lusts and all these things, and he's renewing us, and he's putting us in the new clothes. He's putting us in the new clothes. That's why I said let your new style, of course, be Jesus' style. Why? Because notice the characteristics of this, that you put on the new man, verse 24, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. That's the Jesus style right there. It's created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, every time you find these two words together, righteousness and holiness, you have to realize that when that put together from a, a Hebraic sense, it always means rightness is of the right living before people, and holiness is right living before God. So it's an integrated life that is both right before humanity and right before the living God. And that is Jesus' style right there. Because Jesus lived rightly in the world, and he always did those things that pleased his Father. And so the new style that God has given us one time, and he's renewing us every single day in is Jesus' style. It's right living before humanity and God. Now, when I say right living before humanity, I need to make the case, of course. I need to make the case that humanity may not like the way that we're living. It's not about doing it so that people say, oh, yeah, that's the way you're supposed to live. It's about we do it before God and before people. And it reminds me of 2 Corinthians, right? 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, what? He is a new creation, Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. This verse is beautiful. If anyone's in Christ, the translation says he is a new creation, but literally it's if anyone's in Christ, new creation. The he is is inserted to make a correct English sentence. But in the Greek, if anyone's in Christ, new creation. Old things have passed away. All things becoming new. That's exactly what we're talking about here. We put off the old life, we put off by the former style, and we put on that Jesus style. It's all about Jesus, right before God, holy before God, right before humanity. That's the style that God's people want. So now, as we move in to verse 25 and following, we start getting examples of the old life, some specifics, okay? We have four specifics that the Apostle Paul 
is using examples of the old life and then showing us what the new life is meant to look like. So look at it, verse 25. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun down, go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Third, verse 28, let him who steal, steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. And then four, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And then kind of a summary statement, verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now, remember I said the Bible's not into self-help. Changing a bad behavior with a not-so-bad or a better behavior, it's not bad, it's not enough. These verses teach us that. Because you're going to notice the three-step process from the putting off what used to be, being renewed, which is the adding in a better behavior, but it moves past that to this new life that's in Christ. And I call these four examples that we should live the abundant life. To me, these show us what the abundant life is all about. Not just the, I used to be a sinner and now I'm not anymore life. I used to do this, but now I do this other thing instead. But it takes us to this third step, not just behavior modification or behavior substitution, but onto what a true life in Christ looks like. Live the abundant life. It begins with lying. Look at verse 25. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth to his neighbor for me, we are members of one another. Now, put away lying. So lying is obviously speaking with falsehood, either overtly or maybe sins of omission where you withhold truthful information. A half-truth is a what? A whole lie. So falsehood, put away lying. So you see, so the old life was full of lying. Right? And then the modification then becomes, and we get this quote here, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. That's a quote from Zechariah chapter 8, verse 16. So instead of lying, be truthful. That's classic behavior modification. I used to lie, and now I tell the truth. But that is not, that is not Christianity. Look at what Christianity is. It's not, I used to lie. And now I tell the truth, but look at the last little clause here. For we are members of one another. Oh, you see that now? We don't just want to substitute truth-telling for lying. That's not bad, but it's not enough because God wants us to remember that we are part of one body. That true, abundant life in Christ is not, I used to lie, now I tell the truth. It's no, I used to lie, now I tell the truth. Why? Because we are one. That I am interconnected with the body. Now imagine if you're out and you're hiking and all of a sudden a bear comes. A grizzly bear, right in your path. Does your brain tell your foot, it's not a bear, it's just a fish? Does it leave your foot there to get devoured? No, right? Your whole body jumps into action because you are one united body. So the abundant life is not I used to tell lies and now I tell the truth. It's, man, I'm part of something bigger. And when I lie to another person, I betray myself. That's a whole different way to think about the world, isn't it? 
That's a whole completely different way than saying, I used to lie, now I'm a truth teller. No, I'm part of something bigger. I am an integrated part of something greater, the body of Christ. And when I lie to somebody else, I actually lie to myself because we are one in Christ. That's the abundant life as it relates to lying. We see the same thing now for anger. It says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. So it begins with a quotation from Psalm 4, verse 4. Be angry and do not sin. Now, what, what does that mean? It means that there is a way that not all anger is bad. Most people would call non-sinful anger righteous indignation, okay? So the example is, is there's certain things that should make us angry. Like the example I always use, because I think it's maybe the most provocative of them. Imagine there is a man who's arrested for molesting hundreds of kids, hundreds of them. And that man gets caught. He goes before the judge. And the judge's like, look, I'm a loving judge. You can go free. Right? That should make you angry, right? That's completely wrong. Now, does that mean we should go take a gun and shoot the guy on the, on the courthouse steps? No, no, no. But that should provoke our hearts to anger. I think one of the problems we have today in our culture is that we don't even understand what righteous indignation really is. Because notice it begins with the word righteous, which we struggle to understand what that is. And most of us, those of you with anger issues, you always feel your anger is righteous, don't you? That's the problem with having anger issues. You always feel, this is justified. You don't realize how serious this is. That's all. So I've always found that when I'm angry and I'm starting to pull the righteous indignation card, then I know that I'm normally in, in, in trouble. Right? So we have to be careful. So there is a way, so it's not saying don't ever be angry. There is a way to be angry that isn't sinful. So let's say you have an anger issue. So you quote the Psalm 4.4. The behavior modification is don't let the sun go down on your wrath, which is a good modification. If you're angry, you ever notice if you go to bed angry, what do you wake up? Even more angry. It's like, it's like you're just simmering on the stove while you sleep. I'm not going to talk about food, but I, I have a good reference to that. But you go to bed angry, you wake up even more angry, right? So one of the ways to arrest anger issues is to make things right before you go to bed so that you don't carry today's anger into tomorrow. So that's classic behavior modification. I used to be angry. I'd go to bed even more angry. I'd wake up even more angry. So instead of doing that, when I get angry, now I just work things out before I go to sleep so it doesn't impact tomorrow. It's good behavior modification, but it's not enough because look at what the abundant life tells us. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down your wrath, nor give place for the devil. Now, there we go. When we are angry in a sinful way and we let it fester, we are working on behalf of the enemy of humanity and God. See, it's about seeing it with clearer eyes than what we had initially. When you are angry in a sinful way, you are working on behalf of Satan because God is love. Because God wants us to love one another. Jesus said, love the Lord your God and then love your neighbor as yourself. The greatest of these is love. And every time we function out of anger and we all do it, we give place for Satan to have a foothold in people's lives and in our lives. So the abundant life is like Satan's got no room in my life and through my life and in my family and through my family. It's not enough just not to get angry anymore. You need to 
not allow Satan to have any room in your life to do his divisive work against you and against God. But it doesn't stop there. Verse 28, stealing. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has the need. Now, you see how this is rolling. Let he who steal, let him steal no longer. So no doubt, some people steal things. Some of you steal things. It's just people do that. It breaks the commandments, of course. Thou shalt not steal. You find Exodus 20, 15, Deuteronomy 5, 19. Most, one of the most basic ethical principles. So if you used to steal, don't steal anymore. It goes on. But rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good. So you see that. The behavior modifications. I used to steal. Now I work to get my own stuff. Instead of working at stealing someone else's stuff, I do my own work. That's classic behavior modification, right? I used to steal because I wanted something. Now I actually work for it. But the Bible doesn't just want behavior modification. It wants the abundant life. So instead of stealing, now we don't just work with our hands, but notice why we work with our hands, that he may have something to give him who has need. So the abundant life is about generosity to those who have less than us. It's not like, okay, now I used to steal. I don't steal. I just work, and I work a lot. Now I have all this extra stuff so I can just enjoy all of it. No. Instead of stealing, we work, and the reason we work is to help other people who are in need like we once were. You see the abundant life? It's totally different than just, yeah, I used to be a thief, and now I ain't anymore. I used to smoke, now I don't. I used to dance La Vida Loca, and now I don't. I used to do this, and now I don't. I used to rip off people on finances, and now I don't. It's not that. It's something more than that. It's not just I switch out an evil action for a better action. It's no, we live lives generously because God is generous. And every time God provides for us, we say, God, how do you want to use this provision to help other people? Because it's about God's peace entering the world. It's the grace of generosity. And it's amazing. You start talking about generosity in the most wealthy country in the world, people get really uncomfortable. It's a weird thing. And maybe it's because we've lost our way with that kind of stuff, living generously, saying, Lord, how can I live in such a way that gives to people on the margins? that helps people along. And then finally, the fourth example, speech. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Now you see that? Instead of corruption coming out of our mouths, all sorts of evil speaking, the response is, but what is good for necessary edification? So instead of saying words that drag people down, edification means building up. Instead of saying words that drag people down, say words that build people up. But it doesn't just stop there, because it says that you may impart grace to your hearers. Do we realize the power that's in words? Words impart grace to people. So God doesn't want to be like, look, I used to be real negative and nasty and say all this nasty stuff, and now I just say all happy, happy, joy, joy stuff. But now it's, I used to say nasty stuff. Now I say joyful stuff. Why? Because I, I want to use my words to impart grace to people instead of hurt. That's the abundant life. And then it says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of judgment. Notice, it ends with all of these things. Live in the old way or even just substituting a good action for a bad action. It grieves the heart of God. People always say, How, why do we believe the Holy Spirit is God? Because the Holy Spirit's a person. 
You can't grieve in inanimate force. Do you think gravity ever gets upset when you try and pretend like there's no gravity? I can't. I mean, I'm gravity. I've always been here. Do you think the air gets upset when we breathe too much of it? But you can grieve the Spirit of God by not living in such a way that honors who He is and what He is doing in our lives. That's a, a strong motivation. I think about motivations. I think about, like, we tell our kids, listen, I tell Obadiah, I say, Obadiah, don't ever make your mama cry. That's strong motivation. My son should fear hurting his mom's heart. I think that's pretty solid. I get that from my walk with Jesus because God's like, look, don't make me sad in the way that you live and what you do and who you are. Because you know what? God loves us enough that he gets hurt by some of the stuff we do, by some of the things that we say, some of the ways that we roll, the ways that we act. It breaks God's heart because Jesus died and rose again. Because God has done everything for us and all he wants us to do is live grateful lives, faithful lives, simple lives, servant lives. And so often we're like, Lord, I got a whole other plan. I got a whole other thing. So brothers and sisters, let's live the abundant life. Let's, let's not substitute a bad action for a good action. Again, it's not bad, but it's not enough. Let's live the abundant life. Let's take it to that third step, that putting on the new man. And then as we close, look at what it says in verse 31. It says, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. And so this section here closes that we need to be like Jesus. We need to be like Jesus. You and I should be like Jesus. Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor. Clamor is loud quarreling. They don't really use that word anymore. Evil speaking. Be put away with all malice. All these things, these five, six things here, we all find ourselves in here in some way, don't we? Some of us are bitter. Some of us have, are full of wrath. Which is passionate anger. Some of us are just angry. We're just simmering on the stove. Loud quarreling. Evil speaking. Any sort of malice. God's like, no, no. That's got to be put away from our lives. That's the old style. That's who we used to be. Not who we are anymore in Christ. But instead of these things, instead of these things, we need to be like Jesus. Look at verse 32. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, Forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So we have five things to get rid of. We have three things that we should do differently. And it's the, be kind. That's a simple word. Kindness matters. Even in your disagreements, be kind with one another. It doesn't have to be all snarky. Listen, be kind on the internet. Don't be snarky on your Facebook, on your Twitter, on you know, in your emails to your coworkers, don't be snarky. Be kind. Jesus is real. In our study from Ephesians 4, Pastor Daniel looked at the scope of change which we should experience as believers. It's broad. We're to go beyond simply making changes in our behavior and embrace the fullness of what God is really trying to accomplish in our lives. 
For example, if we're prone to anger, it's great to lessen our anger, but also seek the Lord to eradicate any gaps we're allowing the enemy to influence us in. For most of us, our smartphone is an extension of our body. They are constantly ringing and dinging, telling us what to do and where to go next. We want to encourage you to subscribe to the Jesus is Real podcast. Each week, the programs right here on the radio are available in podcast format. So if you miss one of the broadcasts, you can always catch up by subscribing to the Jesus is Real podcast. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com. Yes, we encourage you to join us for one of our worship services at Crossroads Community Church. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links to the live stream. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, we'll see that it's not always easy to love others, especially those who we don't agree with. As the Apostle Paul makes clear, the kind of love he's speaking about is only possible with the help of Jesus. You've been listening to Jesus Is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series entitled Life's Messy next time. Until then, may God bless.